0: Hello and welcome to a new season of the Scottish Music Centre's Amplified podcast. I'm Laura and each week I'll be speaking to a Scotland-based musician and asking them to choose a selection of tracks that have influenced their life and work. This week I'm chatting to composer Rita Wittkowskaite.
1: Hi Rita. Hi Laura. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. How are you doing?
0: I'm good, thank you. Um normally, when I start doing these, I would ask people, you know, because we we started doing this series in the middle of the pandemic, and so I was thinking about, you know, what we could talk about, and 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 now things are quite different. I think normally I'd be saying, "How are you coping with the with the lockdown situation?" But we're not really in a lockdown situation anymore. So, um, are you feeling optimistic? Maybe I'll ask you that about how things are going at the moment.
1: Yes, I do actually. I started moving around myself a little bit and seeing people real people in real life so <laughs> that uh that immediately brings so much energy into everything i do i think um yeah being to being able to have a contact with people uh, and yeah. and uh even sometimes play live music in real life with real people so this is uh this is really wonderful from the other hand i think i got quite used to the lockdown situation, to being at home and being able to do many, many things in one day. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yes, because you don't have the time to commute and um, then spend all this time working. So I think I just realized I need to start scheduling less things and enjoy life a little bit more. yeah <laughs> so it sounds like you've learned
0: things then from the pandemic that's really nice to hear um did you find it at the time was it quite challenging for you because as a musician and a composer you know things were the, it was a really badly affected sector obviously as we all know so um did you find that quite a struggle
1: at the um, time i i guess um a little bit well i had i had myself i was in this uh, strange situation anyway because i only just moved to scotland from london so i quit everything in london and i had this um i probably was expecting that i will have this year or two years of just settling in so when yeah. when the lockdown started when pandemic pandemic hit country i already was experiencing this this big change in my life anyway with not having many plans ahead and i think maybe that therefore it didn't mentally affect me so much nor nor financially because i already planned my year ahead you see and uh from the other hand as a composer i work um on the commissions, so it's a slow process and i think i still had a few commissions going on i think creative composers work for me never exactly stopped because that was a good thing to do because you writing music for premiere which will maybe happen at some point so maybe it was even more relaxing way for me because there wasn't so much pressure with the deadlines because deadlines i knew that they will keep getting postponed and (laughs) you have a bit (laughs) more time yeah yeah yeah, dream of every composer so so yeah i think i think maybe other thing that i i think i same as everyone i i I was a bit worried about my financial long-term situation and i was worried about um eh, getting things done and i'm 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 quite an organizer really i always organize something so obviously i couldn't organize anything in con in conventional way or the way in the way i was used to so i started doing a lot of online things um I quite overscheduled myself. I have to say, I lost track of how much work I can do within periods of time. I think many of us probably have struggled with this understanding how the days flow and how you, how you can work. And then, yeah, it's been it's been really. I think for me, I I feel it was quite a challenging time. Maybe big learning experience as well and understanding myself how I work and how, how I do things during the day maybe understanding a little bit more about my own routines and how and when I compose best and how and when I do my admin bits best. <laughs> right
0: yeah that's interesting yeah, yeah. that's good to have good information to have isn't it you know in in the rest of life hopefully. That will, you know, you'll be able to continue those patterns on now that we're kind of it looks like we're going to return to some more kind of normality and you'll be able to collaborate more and you will be able to organize people and things in the way that you were used to doing before. And just when you were speaking there, you mentioned that you just moved up here from London not all that long ago and just wondering if you could give us a bit of background on, you know like your life and where you, how you came to be in Glasgow and um like what work you do as a composer
1: yeah so I i am uh I'm a Lithuanian uh, composer and I to make a long story short I I studied in yeah. Lithuania in a specialized music school so music formed part of my life from early on even though my parents are not musicians uh, but they sent me to this uh, specialized boarding school where i played violin and then i was a bit tired of practicing every day (laughs) so i switched to being a composer because i really i really loved music and i think when i realized i can be a composer at about age 15 when i realized that you can study it and and make it your main thing in life i i kind of never looked back from there even though i had many other ideas of that I could be a, a astronaut or, <laughs> or herbalist. I had all kinds of thoughts, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So so I yeah so I kind of became composed, and I I still I still pick up my violin and play as well, even though I don't call myself a practicing violinist. And I I went to uh, get an undergrads and master's degree in Lithuania, and I had a. Um, during this time I also went on exchange with uh, I went to Jerusalem for a year it was like it wasn't Erasmus but it was some something like like that like an exchange study exchange so I also had a bit of that of experience and I attended many many master classes in Europe and everywhere and I came to UK a, a few times and I really really wanted to go to London or New York because as being somebody Lithuania is a small country and Vilnius a capital where I lived it's a it's small I mean I I, I think maybe Vilnius is similar size to Glasgow in, in some ways and also a vibe but um Vilnius is the main is the biggest <laughs> place in, in the whole <laughs> Lithuania you know there aren't any bigger cities so so yeah you can imagine it's quite quite a small country and then very quickly you get to know everybody you know every single person Mm -hmm. of the world new music world any kind of music world (laughs) And, and it can become really quite um maybe tiring uh in a way or i i felt that i haven't got anywhere to grow anymore so i wanted to go yeah. to big big multicultural city to experience this uh other cultures other other people other kind of music and um so i applied to the um, royal academy in london uh to do my doctoral degree then and i got in and i just went went for it basically i just left went mm-hmm. w- went for it and i spent uh i think about nine years or ten years in london i always get a bit lost i <laughs> would count but it was really challenging i think i think london is challenging for everyone and especially for someone like me who came from i don't know just different world small place you know just knowing everybody and then suddenly in london this big big machine with lots of people people just rushing around and I I think I struggled with building any kind of sense of community around me because in Lithuania, obviously that happens naturally. You don't want that. You don't want those people around you. You don't want to know everyone. You want, you know, it just becomes tiring. But in London, it was quite opposite. I think I was really struggling with this. And I I think I'm not probably on my own in such, Mm -hmm. such feeling that you live in this big city, there are millions of people, and yet you feel on your own all the time. So mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so I I lived in London and I was doing my doctoral degree but I have to say I always maintained very very active life as composer so even though I was doing doctoral full time I kind of extended it for a couple more years and I took two years break so it took me 7 years altogether <laughs> to complete my degree but I I was I think partly because I was very very active um with work um composer's work uh, as well as I have I had to do lots of teaching to support my living in London and all other jobs but uh, also composing work so I never I never cut my relationship with Lithuania where I uh, worked on many not only uh, I think in Lithuania I mainly work on a quite um, collaborative uh, multi um, multimedia works or works that in, include, I, I do I do write scores for some ensembles in Lithuania, but I think most of my works in Lithuania are very interdisciplinary. When when I came um, to Royal Academy, Royal Academy in London is um, very conservative comparing to what I've been doing in Lithuania, and they really made me into I have to say professional score writer <laughs> because they did they did <laughs> they did put lots of effort into that. Um, the scores actually at the highest possible quality. The, the score writing is at the highest possible quality for me. So that was great. So I think I think through being in London I more and more started again started writing uh, um, scores, classical music, this conventional contemporary music. And right now I'm doing both. It's about, I could say 50-50, 50% of my work is this classical scores, which can be published, can be performed, and other 50% of my work is collaborative, uh, um, interdisciplinary work. Some of them don't even have a score. Some of them is, it's a, <laughs> it's something else basically, and uh, and yeah, and so after after being in London for so long and never feeling like at home there, I started thinking about going somewhere else, and it was just a good luck that my partner uh, Jethro got a, a possibility to do his doctoral degree at Glasgow Uni. And so I, th- this is why I moved here. There wasn't any kind of special um, professional connection for me, but I wanted to come to Scotland. We were looking at Scotland when we thought about moving. Scotland was one of the places and we thought, ah, it would be so wonderful. But some, somehow, sometimes when you don't have a particular connection, it's hard to move, just to move to a new place, isn't it? So we were very happy when uh jethro got this um invitation to do his degree here and i we just said i said yes in half a minute <laughs> didn't <laughs> and and yeah so I, I knew i had to quit all my all my teaching in london and everything all the um things that i established there all the jobs and i w- i was quite well settled by then. but but uh it was great to come here and i i actually really 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 like like it here i said it to you so many times that i feel yeah. like at home and i think i think maybe maybe it does remind me a bit of lithuania i f- it feels familiar the people the way people act the way the way it's uh, life is a bit slower here people have more time and even though it's not as big and wealthy city as london which is re- really rich uh i think Maybe this also brings me familiarities with uh, Lithuania because lots of things are being done. Um, I guess, I guess, from just building a community around you and doing things together, lots of things get done like this, and it feels like this for me here. Uh, when I came to Glasgow, I initiated Comma Glasgow community, and I mm-hmm. I was surprised how quickly people responded and gathered around me, and now it's not me, now it's us. Is lots of us and um, maybe maybe soon i'm not even going to be the main <laughs> driving behind this community but it's really great how people really have this sense of community and unity and um just have time probably and energy to uh put effort into something that interests them uh so yeah and especially with new music contemporary music with avant-garde art with any kind of contemporary art that's very important because yeah it's not a mainstream field that i'm working in so yeah it's important people are very important i think
0: yeah i think uh you when i first met you i remember how incredibly proactive you were straight from the beginning you know you you obviously wanted to build that sense of community and I think, you know, when you're talking about the similarities between Lithuania and Glasgow, I think there's a similar sense that the music industry in Scotland but that um, it is quite a small community in a lot of ways, but I think, you know, the output is incredible, you know, there's so much going on and the community do pull together and I think that makes people quite supportive of each other because they, you know, each of those people probably have started something on their own and they can remember what it was like and, you know, so when somebody like yourself comes and they, you know, you started with Glasgow and it really was just you on your own I think you know people are keen to kind of help you make that a success especially when they see how you know determined and hardworking you are um yeah so it, we're very happy to have you here Rita oh, this is
1: so nice yeah I really I really it's interesting that you said this Laura about Scotland also being a small community because I don't actually know that yet I maybe because I, I right. spent most of the yeah. time in lockdown let's be honest but, well that's true that's yeah you know, i still i still meet a lot of new people every time i go over and it's just so exciting for me I, I i just feel there are so many musicians and so many new people who i don't know <laughs> and i'm just every time i'm just so happy that oh my god another amazing person <laughs> who i didn't know existed so it's interesting I, yeah i but i i i miss i guess i I guess it's nice, uh, I, I reflect what you say, because I, I went to sound festival before the pandemic, and then I went to sound festival this year, so, and first time I went there, I didn't know a single person, I really, it was a bit quite, quite stressful actually going to a place where you don't know anyone. but they're just such friendly people, it just I felt immediately, I think, I think maybe people felt that time was like, you know, coming from nowhere, it's can be a little stressful for uh, for me, so I think people really um are organized Fiona and Pete and everyone they just um, really put effort into inviting me and making feel like really welcome, even though I came just as an audience I wasn't like in particular doing anything so this year I went again I had my piece performed there so that was really nice, but I also just went as well just to just to attend and I already know about 30 people. <laughs> which is amazing i i i missed this so much really and it was it was just great really it was great to to realize that okay i actually did manage to get to know scotland a little bit Yeah. No, I think from my perspective,
0: anyway, I feel that you're always very, very busy. Like, I always feel that you'll, you've you got a project going on, or whether, whether that's something that you've organised yourself, or whether, um, you know, it's like the Sound Festival, or somebody's commissioned you to write something for them. And we're going to come on to a big thing that you're doing at the moment, just in, in a few minutes. But um, I, I feel like you're always doing something, you know, I always think, you know, there's always a piece of news about Ruta, she's always got some some release on the go or some piece being performed and um, I think that's really incredible and obviously it's testament to your hard work and the connections that you're making and I think that the good thing about Scotland is that there's lots of small initiatives going on so it does give you that possibility to discover lots of new things and set up lots of new projects with people and you know try different working relationships out and 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 create new things and I think that is like definitely one of the most exciting things about being here Um but just to take you back you know you've been talking about all these different places that you, you know, you've, you grew up in Lithuania, but you said you also spent some time in Jerusalem, and, you know, you've lived in London, now you're living here, and I know that you travel a lot for your work, and you've got lots of connections across the world with people, and various guises and things, and um, the first thing that we're going to speak about is um, just kind of your your musical background and the things that have made you the composer that you are. And I know that all these different countries and all these cultures that you've experienced uh, have been a big influence on you, made a huge impact on your career.
1: Yeah, so I think I think it's very important uh, to say that um, interest in various cultures actually started when I was in Lithuania and before I had the chance to travel around. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not actually sure now. But I think when I started my studies, we weren't even in European Union yet. <laughs> I have to check oh, this, but it, 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 might, it might be true actually. Uh, yeah, I think I, th- I think I remember quite clearly that um, we weren't at least when I joined the Lithuanian Academy. So you know, big big travels around Europe were were a bit out of the question because of all the visa situation at that time. But uh I had a lesson of um I think it was traditional music lesson, and our teacher played some music. So I remember he it was a particular lesson on shamanic, Siberian shamanic uh singing and 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 drumming and um and I was just I just there was something in it for me that really i i i was called by it i don't know how to say it there was something about this music and i think uh, which which kind of uh set me on a quest of my whole life quest about um thinking about music that music is not something that belongs to me as a composer music uh, is a very much of a community tool and i had this big dilemma i mean i've been composer for 15 years now probably more maybe 17 if you start with my first musical composition uh, compositions actually no 22 years from my first. (laughs) (laughs) that would be correct so but i i've i've kind of i always felt like when i um when i write music it's it's expression of my own world on my own journey My inner journey, but the music itself, we as human when we started making music in the first old tribal community, it was a community tool of communication of being together on of getting into particular. space of mind together as a Community it's it's a unifying element and it's very much inherent to us as human being being musical and. Having music within your life, but not not so much as an individual thing, but as a community thing. And I always felt like maybe I felt there's quite a big dissonance between what I do as a classical composer, being this um, one single person who is writing music, which is being performed for the audiences and audiences. You know, I spent three months writing a piece, and then it's ten minutes in a concert hall. You know, it's a audience it and in 10 minutes they experience that and i always thought i started to think a lot about this process of composing and what i experience and how can i share with this and there the, from there comes all my interest in music in participatory music projects in like building community like comma Glasgow also comes from that i want people to spend a little bit more time on music music making together because i think there is something in it because i think there is something in it and there is something about it, uh, um, because for thousands and thousands of years, tens of thousands of years, music was made in community and was explored in community, and now it became a bit more. I I explore music on my own and I kind of just yeah. give a little nice package to the audience, like the, a little candy which they can just swallow <laughs> quickly. And I thought, I thought, well. This is great, and it it also works as well. But I thought um, I think probably music has much much more potential for for to affect people's life in if they spend a bit more time and put a bit more um, thought and energy, like let's say as you as you would do in the workshop environment. So I think I think yeah, tribal music inspired me then, and I I of course this community music making this is what i do now but it didn't start like this i started with exploring various traditions and i i remember i came across this african um i actually i lost i lost the music track uh, but we might be able to find it on spotify maybe <laughs> it's, a, it's an african healing song i think it's been accompanied with nanga instrument possibly and uh i even quoted made quotes in one of my pieces uh um quotations from from that song and uh i think again again this uh uh maybe the particular way the way the the song the that song was performed which is um the the instrument is tuned in uh, they are like um it's not a temp, uh, well tempered tuning. It's a and it's not quarter tones. It's more like a multi multi multitones somehow. It's it's tuned in a way that it's um, uh I think the way the string is being tightened, that's how it's tuned, and the string can get loose as well as you play. So you know it's not the 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 pitch, is slightly more fluctuating. And then the voice itself was, all semi whispered voice, and. And I just thought, I mean, this is just so amazing. It just, it was just so impactful for me. And I, since then I always wanted to work with whispering voice. And it's very hard to, with professional singers, it's hard to work with uh, whispering because actually damages, a long, long long, time whispering can damage the voice. So I, I some, some years ago I started to do myself because I don't care about my voice. <laughs> it's not that precious um <laughs> i don't think it can be more damaged than it is already but i think <laughs> i don't mind doing whisp- whispering trying to do whispering uh song so i st- started to do this song cycle called voice cracks where i explore voice and various cracks in voice and whispering voice as if um i i just think it creates a very strong intimate sound world and mm-hmm. and uh i think i think I don't know, maybe there is some kind of this, um, th- there is lots of power in it. And I, I'm sure there are also this kind of uh, whispering voice of shamans who try to heal community. Uh, they probably can probably come across in various cultures, I- I'm sure. Um, so that was that was a really big influence on me. And then um, I think when I moved to London, actually, interestingly, I started more and more be interested in Lithuanian folk singing, which is funny, when you are there, it doesn't seem so precious. But then suddenly living in London, I missed speaking Lithuanian, you see, because it's a very old language. It has its own way of expressing, way of speaking. It kind of, um, I think, when I speak Lithuanian, uh, well, each, each language I speak kind of affects the way I form my thoughts and the way I formulate my sentences so I started being interested in Lithuanian folk singing and um, we even had the singing circle there are this very old Lithuanian singing tradition, sutertines, and again uh, doing it for a few years in a row having the singing circle gathering once a month affected me very strongly as a composer I mean I think i think with those particular songs actually when listening listening to them never have affected me in any way strongly but when i was singing them myself i realized how powerful they are actually and this made me even more think that somehow yeah i feel that people and communities only by listening only by listening to music it's only one side of music that you can experience. You can only go so deep and I always feel like if you put yourself forward to music making to making music yourself with your own voice, your own body, your own instrument doesn't matter how, but when you put yourself forward see it, when you kind of allow music to come out out of you, the mm. experience. You can bring all kind of different dimensions to your being, and I'm speaking as a composer and as a musician. But I think, I think especially, I'm thinking about people who don't do music as full time, who have daytime jobs, and who play it on play music on the radio, go to the concert. But I think probably picking up an instrument or voice and trying to do something yourself with sound could could really open up. Um, Open up completely new horizons for people, and I think I think it's just such a fantastic music, such a fantastic tool. So, yeah, I guess I guess I this really this is important to me, and I because of singing the suttertinas and because of this experience, I initiated this project. This was while I still was in London, so I ran a series of workshops for people um, to do various voice sound and singing. Um, I was held by opera solists who, who are specialists in singing, obviously. But I thought it's it's good if if we do it together. And um because I'm an amateur singer, absolutely. I can't I mean <laughs> we all can sing, but I mean I have never had any kind of training and you know the sounds that come out of my mouth here they are. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a, I'm not I'm not a singer in any way. But I thought it is it's good that it's good if I do this as well with people because then it feels like you don't have to have a training you can just sing you can you can sing you know we all can sing and um and so from 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 those workshops I recorded some materials and then put them into soundtrack and made a opera on the walk so it was a walking opera so people go on the walk with the soundtrack but also there are characters appearing on the streets and you know it, it was really fun yeah that's so, really yeah
0: cool. it's really fascinating to hear about all these things how they've kind of connected um the fact especially that you know you became much more interested in lithuanian folk music when you weren't in lithuania any longer um could you describe it's almost like you've it's like you're removed from the situation so you kind of are it's a connection to your home but you're also looking at it from a new perspective because you're removed from the country Um, like can you describe what Lithuanian folk music is like if there are people maybe that you know aren't familiar with it like what kind of components it has and what kind of role it plays in Lithuania
1: yeah so um I guess um as as Lithuanian composer classical musician classically trained musician I I think maybe it's probably quite common to all countries and educational institutions that at, at that time when i was studying i think uh maybe folk music somehow always was thought of as a lesser not so interesting not so important we were studying classical music a lot and contemporary music contemporary music composers and all the new techniques and things and this and then i think maybe folk music was always more put in this light as this ah this is something for for folk, not yeah. for professionals, in a sense, and um, and I think just somehow maybe I just never never looked into that with such interest because because of this uh, common perception, which I think it probably is alive in Scotland. I don't know how how it's here, but it's it it could be that professional musicians they look at classical music, contemporary composers, contemporary music, and Scottish folk music maybe is not it doesn't play much role, but. Um, but uh, so I I knew obviously I knew songs and I knew knew I could sing them uh, also when I was in Lithuania. But I ne- it never occurred to me to actually show any interest in that in particular interest. Mm. I somehow never thought of it. And then when I moved to London, I think I think yeah I I eventually had this group of Lithuanians. We had this little group just. Just from the pure, um, pure. I think we we miss speaking Lithuanian languages. So it was really good to speak Lithuanian, and just just bring a bit more of this Lithuanian community feeling. Even though I, I have to say, when living in London, I was, I I didn't have, I I, I was integrated in uh, in UK's um, uh, in UK scene really with music and with teaching and with everything. I didn't take part in. Lithuanian community very much at all, even though there's quite a big one, but I think this group of friends was important and and so so Lithuanian folk songs so there are. There are several types, I mean some of the some of the folk songs they are more recent and we we we're not so interested in them, but other folk songs they um, there are folk songs that you sing on your own. And there are very specific type of folk songs called sutertines where you sing in um, canons. It could be two or three people, oh, or God. groups. We we do we do it in groups, but I think I think originally it would be just two or three people or four people. And it's uh, actually predominantly those songs are female songs, and it connects. I, I haven't spoken to you about my interest in Inuit. Katajak tradition singing tradition but it connects very strongly because inuit tradition is also female only it's only two females singing with each other into each other's face and lithuanian susatinas also are being sung in a very similar manner so you stand very close to each other and you sing to each other and you kind of there is a canon some of them are really complex others are more simple but maybe to describe it in a very simple way um um uh so you you would sing a, a verse and there would be a, a one line of verse one line of chorus and the verse would have changing chords, the chorus wouldn't and they would uh, quite often they would be moved by um one step up or down like um it would be like a disson- dissonance so the verse and the chorus are in dissonance so when i sing verse uh when uh, sorry when i sing chorus the second person starts singing verse and then when they sing chorus, the third person will start singing chorus. So it's, it's like it's like this, and it creates this like very dissonant, endless texture. And in those songs, we also have very old words, which are like sound words. So we 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 don't know the meaning of them. The meaning is lost uh, in in contemporary in current Lithuanian language, even though Lithuanian language is one of the oldest. And, uh, and even though those word ha- word, words only survived in those old songs, and I, we always feel that they are being repeated like mantras, a bit in the, uh, similar to this Indian mantra, uh, this constantly re- repeating same and same words over and over in this dissonant uh, texture and very interestingly those words are also re- related to indian sanskrit language they actually some of them have meaning in sans- sanskrit language okay. which is a very strange connection which linguists can't explain with all the migration of nations it's because it shouldn't be like this but it is and so obviously because of this quite a lot of lithuanians are interested in sanskrit actually started learning <laughs> i know yeah. i know one of my friends even did masters because wanted to to understand and it it is it's very strange because Sanskrit does sound like lithuanian although you can't understand what's going on but it does there is something about the similarities of those languages some kind of strange connection so yeah so so this is i think this is where where my interest to onomatopoeic sounds came from because onomatopoeia is a sound which represents the music like let's say Uh, like like say boom or bum is an onomatopoeic word which represents actual sound of it and and those songs also have those words which represent actual sound of the that word and that's it the sound is important the vibration of sound yeah that's all it is so i started being interested in that from the songs and then i i mentioned to you before that i i I started being interested in Indian conical. Uh, it's a, I mean, oh gosh, there are so many good experts on this. I, I'm not I'm not anywhere near near that. But I, I just I just thought it was really fascinating because this is a way of learning uh, drumming technique through speaking first. So you first learn to speak it through the whole musical piece and rhythms, and then from there you learn to play it on the percussions and and for me this conical is like a language of music really the words they only mean the sound of the drum and that's it you know it's just like really really fantastic um connection and um there is this actually particular piece of conical which i a particular rhythm of conical which i used in my composition for orchestra for percussion and solos and orchestra and and I don't know maybe because of this use of conical or what but this's been one of my most successful pieces so far I mean I I don't write I haven't yet had the chance to write for orchestra so much but I think and I do I do find it uh, really challenging but also exciting but I think it just um I don't know maybe quoting quoting that rhythm or making it my own in a way the way i stole (laughs) stealing (laughs) the rhythm rhythm from conical um kind of made this piece just uh sound i don't know there was was really quite a lot of power in this i think in that rhythm Mm. yeah so i i try to i i if i if i get really really excited about uh about a song or a style, it just doesn't leave me, it just stays in my head. And I, you know, next time I have a commission, I just can't help but I have to use it yeah. <laughs> somehow, in some way, I just, it just sits inside of me, waiting to be written about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um.
0: So I think actually, um, just based on what we've chatted about there, and then what you're saying about how you know you use all these different things and uh, commissions of projects that you're working on. And um, I think, you know, it's a good time to talk about the thing that you're working on just now that's happening at the moment Um uh, that that is based on, on a lot of folk music that's why we've been talking about music of different countries and cultures because um this is like a, the root of this project that you're doing at the moment so and um, it's called modern Chants, and um it's a big collaborative thing there's lots of people involved in this um so do you want to just give us a sort of like summary of what it is and then we'll go into the detail of you know the music and the compositions and things
1: yeah, so Modern Chance is a project which I um it's my uh first uh big project which I manage here in Scotland. Um mm-hmm. uh big, uh, relatively big. It's big for me, I think. Uh so I um it's it's being supported by Creative Scotland and I am also managing it as a I'm i I'm the admin person as well <laughs> <laughs> for this. As well as a composer. This is
0: very typical of you, Ruta. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Oh, gosh. Organizing it and doing it at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But I think I think maybe maybe it makes sense because it, actually it's a it's a um, it's a small team that works on it, and it makes sense for me because I I kind of created the whole idea, and it's not exactly a very straightforward project to administrate and, and manage. So it yeah. maybe makes sense that I do it myself because I know it the best. Yeah. yeah. Um, my team is, uh, I think I should probably mention because it's very important that I am working with um, a few amazing musicians in Scotland, so uh, uh, first. Um, I, I'm just, I'll just talk in order how they joined, so I think I first joined, was joined by Johanna Nicholson, the clarinet player, uh, who I invited in relation with her interest in um, participatory music really and so uh, i think uh then through joe uh i invited poet dawn wood who is uh absolutely wonderful <laughs> and uh she she also she she's a scientist as well she has a scientific background she's also an artist but she also published a number of books poetry books and uh it just her poetry is just something else you really like Flow into space. I I do I do have this um, feeling of uh, like kind of just going somewhere else when I read her poems. Even though I have to say, as as someone who's in, my because English is not my um, mother tongue, reading poetry for me can be really quite challenging. Yeah. But with some poems, I just really get it. So yeah, it was really yeah with her. It's really amazing, and um, she is also a very collaborative person. So she was joined. She joined from this perspective also. I I kind of we started thinking about um a the, the idea of this project was to base it on um to connect it to Scotland to Scotland's uh cultural heritage, uh Gallic heritage, natural heritage, um to connect it to Scotland. For me, it was an exploration of Scotland really. For me personally, I wanted to connect to people and to to this place here, to get to know it. So then I then then we were joined um. I think uh, Catherine Wren, the viola player who is uh, leader of Nordic Viola, uh, I invited her as soon as I heard about her work. Actually, I really wanted to work with her, and so that was a great <laughs> opportunity for me to invite her. And composer Gemma McGregor, who lives in Orkney, and she is um, really quite an expert in Old Norse. Um, she's been collecting lots of words and each person joining this project brought something else into it. So, and um, finally, Emily Doolittle, composer who lives in Glasgow, and her main research subject is animal sounds. And I think Emily Emily joined this project when we more and more started to talk. I already talked about my interest in onomatopoeia, and I think it was Jamas. After I spoken to Gemma, I think I realized that many, many bird names in Old Norse and maybe also in Gaelic language um, named after the song that they sing. So the name of the bird imitates the bird song <laughs> in a sense. So the name the name is a bird song. So yeah, it's just a, like cuckoo, for example, bird. We all know cuckoo. And so it it is a song, cuckoo, cuckoo, you know. So yeah and it's the name of the bird so yes. so i just thought it's a it's it's a wonderful wonderful connection and, you know and all of this like bird singing animal sounds and um and language of the birds also formed big part of this project and so um i think the first part of modern chance was our research and exploration um each of our members of this collaboration kind of um I think, I think there was a freedom for us to explore whatever aspects we liked. so, so you know whether it will be bird song or animal sounds or old Norse culture, I I in particular worked with um, Ann Lanter, a residency in Outer Hebrides. Uh, with uh, especially John McLeod, who is a, a artist and leader of that residency. Uh, I've been in email conversation with him over the last year or so, and um, just just you know, uh, asking for help me to to do a bit more research in um, Scottish music, folk music, Gaelic music. Um, I started learning a bit of cantarach notation for bagpipe notation and um, got a practice chant. Oh, <laughs> <And>, wow! Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm extremely bad at this, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's really it's really hard actually it's very hard for me i'm my first instrument is a violin and playing mm-hmm. a practice chanter is just such a different world for me i just have to relearn my whole musical education but i did i did i did um study this i try to learn and also try to sing counteract and some kind of uh, got some basic understanding of how that works it is counteract notation uh yeah and and also also um I guess I guess just just in general just reading about uh trying to find some kind of uh, musical evidence in Gaelic culture for example I got really fascinated by 12 Gaelic quints each of them have their own color their own um myth behind their own healing power direction obviously and uh sense. and I as a musician I immediately thought they also must have their own sound because they're just each each of winds is so specifically. They have their own Gaelic name as well, of course. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, so I I remember I remember having a conversation with some a Gaelic speaker. Just <laughs> it's just so interesting, you know. Just calling somebody who speaks Gaelic and asking to teach me how to pronounce one wind, which took me about twenty minutes. Just one yeah. wind, <laughs> just <laughs> so difficult. But yeah, so so difficult and yet so so fascinating I don't know just trying to trying to learn something new always feels like sometimes sometimes learning something so ancient like Gallic language it always rings some kind of very deep bell inside of me as if as if I know this This there's somewhere in my genes deep 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 in my genes there's some kind of reflection on echo of this and i it feels like i'm not learning new things as if i'm recovering some kind of very very old memory of something that i've known before yeah yeah it's just uh it's just interesting thing so yeah so so modern chance was fantastic for me this experience of learning about scotland and feeling as if i i don't know just feeling as if i'm kind of unlocking some kind of deeply locked memories of my (laughs) <laughs> my maybe prehistoric ancestors I don't know how to say It must it must be true I mean because all all languages they do carry this the sound is so strong in them and they, they do carry this uh, this kind of feeling of as if you're speaking something prehistoric a little bit. It does have an Gallic language really has that, I think, in, in itself. And you just the whole body vibrates when you say some words, It's <laughs> just it just I I just find it very fascinating. And of course, and of course music music of it as well, music connected to it. So so yeah, so we we created six new pieces, composed six new pieces, two pieces each per composer, <laughs> per, two, yeah. per each composer, and they were performed by Joe and Catherine in the live stream concert that uh, was uh, live streamed But by Chris Adams, I have to mention his name just because his input was substantial uh, uh, to to do a live stream of participatory event online in real time. Uh it's extremely complicated technologically stuff and um you should have seen his flat it was cables everywhere (laughs) microphones everywhere every every corner was covered in the equipment and and all of this synchronizing of of internet and like i mean i i i wouldn't be able to explain that it's really high tech yeah (laughs) but yeah yeah, we worked worked with chris for for several months actually to make it happen it's 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 amazing so so yeah so and um and i also have to mention that we were joined by ellie cherry who is a, a she's a student of compositions she she created uh, uh um electronic uh, live electronics for one of emily's pieces okay which i'd start we thought it would be just a small role but really she she did the piece, uh, the piece is ten minutes long, and there's lots of electronics, and it's really fun, quite a fantastic world of winds and birds, and yeah, uh, yeah, she did quite a great, great job in this. So, so yeah, from from team of six, we grew into team of eight.
0: <laughs> oh,
1: Even. great! Yeah, yeah. Uh, how
0: did you um, incorporate the role of Don, who was the poet, into all these elements?
1: Yeah, so I think Dawn's role is one of the main major roles actually uh, uh, in this project. She, in, the, in our concert, which was, uh, which was presented at part of Book Week Scotland, uh, she, she was a storyteller of, of the event. Um, we even called it a music and poetry experience, because there were, between every piece there was a poem, Sometimes quite a long poem, sometimes a story, and some Emily actually Doolittle collaborated with Dawn to create. uh, So all the all both of Emily's pieces include Dawn's poems in them.
0: Great. Okay. So
1: one of Emily's pieces is a called "My Hair Flowers," and Dawn created a number of small poems which are accompanied by Catherine's. Playing of each flower for each flower, and then there is a longer section, just musical section, followed by that, and and um, so yeah, I think I think Dawn Dawn became she became like a voice of the whole event, really, like a le- leader of the whole flow, and I think it, because as as we were working in pro uh, in progress, there were lots of and lots of aspects that we touched. There were bird songs, there were flowers, there were. Gallic wins, There was Kanteracht in one of the pieces. There, there was um, there were like, uh, um, yeah. I think I think there were lots of r- quite a varied influences from across Scotland and also Gallican and Old Norse language as well being used um, in one of Gemma's pieces and and birds and Viking given story. So so you know it's it's a very wide range and we i think with dawn we kind of we realized that there needs to be a unifying element to this and the, so we came across this um scottish goddess uh calia and and she's a winter goddess She is a creator ancient creator of the world or at least of scotland in, in scotland she created all the lochs and mountains and she's is, she's is a nature force she's um she's detached from humans quite a lot it's really really interesting that she human life is irrelevant to her because it's just a fraction of her long existence for her so she's not interested in human business so much humans are her, they are her, her, like a children of hers but also in a sense they are she she's a creator of patterns and Human existence is just another pattern in her living, and I thought we thought it's really strong. I mean, because this really describes the narrative of the world. Because we are as humans, we are only here for a fraction of time on this planet Earth, and nature is dictating its own patterns. And through it's, it's really a pattern of life that nature lives. And so, Scotland as country will be here for much longer than we are. Mm-hmm. Not Scotland as country, maybe maybe Scotland as a place. Scotland as this um, place of of you know mountains, rivers, and lochs. And um, it's been here before as humans. Probably, uh, probably it will stay here long after we are we are gone. I mean, you know, if you think about perspective. So we thought that is a very strong image. And a number of Don's poems are related to Kaliach, So so that became like a unifying a story of Kaliach, Our whole concert. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's it sounds really uh, fascinating how um, this is like a, a a huge project of tying yourself to the sense of place and the language and the culture within it. And, you know, it, is this probably would you say this was probably your the biggest project you've worked on in that sense, you know, incorporating all these ideas of, you know, the folk music of the country and the stories of, you know, ancient stories of the country and people involved in it and you know would you say that's probably the most ambitious thing you've done so far in your career with those kind of things and is that something you would maybe want to explore more as you develop as a composer
1: yes yes definitely i i think um i think you're right actually i never thought about this but i think this is the this is probably the first project, which I myself created from scratch, and I, I kind of really thought with real focus on this um ancient heritage and music that I've had interest in for a long time. And as I said, I, I had a quotation. I attended events. I traveled around different countries, and I kind of collected music and instruments. I've been collecting all of this for a long time, but I think this is maybe the first time I kind of put it forwards, mm-hmm. and put it forward as an, as an idea and also i think maybe yeah i think i think maybe it started all with my idea and then i started looking for people and all this fantastic team joined me in who also were in one or another way working in the same field they yeah. they all are and so i think i think it's just been yeah you you're right this is probably the biggest the biggest thing i've ever done in in uh, yeah in in kind of maybe making the statement that I, I, my music is heavily affected by um, ancient musical heritage and ancient language heritage and natural world as well. I think it's, it's very important to me. I think, I think we all as a composers, we maybe have this kind of idyllic idea of like the, you know, the nature, the, see the trees and all of this and i sometimes feel like as a composer i do get really inspired being in nature but there i i think maybe before this project i always felt like um i don't i never connected directly because music is very abstract and when i compose i compose at home at my desk quite often and, and nature is far away from me and it becomes very conceptual there is inspiration, but also there is this concept. And then in this project, I really wanted to tie it in to make it a really direct connection, I think. And I think they, not only through my pu- music as a composer, but I think I also was watching how Gemma and Emily were just really integrating actual sounds of nature and bird songs and names into their pieces. And, you know, like it's a it's been a really wonderful, um, collaborative learning experience for me as well to see how other people work and how you know how then Joe and Catherine they also picked up those pieces. There are quite a few pieces are written as graphic scores, I have to say one of my pieces is a graphic score as well. And it's a it's a really big job for 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 the musician to take it. You know, you have to really know the piece to be able to perform it. Um Authentically, if it's if it's a graphic score, it has like text instructions and pictures and influences and things like this. So, so yeah, I think I think I think our our actually this this project modern modern chance does have a lot of actual nature sounds that being even though they're being performed by viola and clarinet, but you you can't be mistaken, you know you know what it is. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. and may, maybe I should I um. I don't know, maybe you'll have a question. I, I thought, should I talk about the sound work that's coming up? But maybe that's later.
0: That's what I was just going to exactly what I was just going to say, because there's future for modern chants, isn't there? It's not just that one performance you did at the end of last year. There's something else exciting coming up. So yeah, you maybe want to tell us <laughs> tell us a bit about it.
1: Yeah, so so um, uh, we are still working on this. So all the music components that have been created currently, we are putting together into soundwalk, uh, it will be a soundtrack, there will be a new story. This time the story is of part of the birds. Uh, Dawn will act as part of the birds and it will be more related to the birds, the birds that are um, here with us in, in winter, even though, even if you live in the city or rural area, it doesn't matter. The birds that are around you, the birds that, that come back in spring, the birds that used to live in scotland and the birds we we kind of stretch it through time into the more ancient birds up to dinosaur era because birds actually um uh, directly related to dinosaurs which is really interesting i mean if you look at the birds into in the eye of the bird it just you can see it's such an ancient creature i mean they are just so old so so they they do i think we just look at the uh, bird bird is our um, main theme of this and um it's a sound walk but unlike any other sound works that or maybe unlike many other sound works, this for this one you don't need to be in particular location so it's not not a site specific we the way we create um there will be an instruction and there will be a pdf uh, uh with explaining to you how you have to walk but you start the sound work at your home so you don't have to go anywhere uh, the event will start with us all meeting on zoom and we will have an introduction and uh, we will introduce both practical and creative side of the project and then you will uh, you will have a soundtrack which you can download in advance as well, so you don't even need to have an internet connection on your walk. Not necessarily. This is especially interesting for people who live in rural areas and they yeah. the mobile phones don't work. So they can download in advance. I mean, the only thing that you need to have is a mobile phone and head- headphones so okay. you can actually go on the walk so mm-hmm. you can download it and then the instruction will, will continue guiding you through your own area I'm, I'm not going to um give away all the exciting <laughs> <laughs> parts of it but it will be music and story and poems in there as well and you you'll have a like you'll have to um you'll do a circular route about 45 minutes of walking time oh. around your area and then you will come back home and once you come back home again we will wait for you to log in back on zoom on your computer on your home wi-fi and then share with us your experiences there will be some also tasks that you have to do during the walk and so on okay. so so yeah and so the war uh, the walk is um the music of the walk will be um based on something we created for the concert uh many of those pieces so if you have attended the concert you will recognize some of the music and if you haven't that will be actually exciting for you so you will get to hear it <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> yeah. and yeah. Uh, yeah i have to say that this uh sound walk um the part of the bird sound is being um is being uh put up by sound organization sound, uh, sound uh, festival in aberdeen uh, it's not it's not a festival actually they put it as just one off event it will uh it will happen on the 27th of february on sunday at 2 p.m so okay. in the daylight still still we'll have still <laughs> hopefully some sun at that time hopefully good it will be a good day but even if it's a rainy day it will be very interesting mm-hmm. because i i we've been testing the sound in rain in sun in various locations in the city in the rural areas and it really works despite What's happening around you so, so it, it doesn't really matter if it rains or snows or if it's a sunny day it it will be a, an experience and so uh i think, I think the registration will be opened very soon, probably already next week through just a sound festival uh, website so sound hyphen dot co I believe, or something like that sounds
0: we will put a link to it and things so that people can click on the information in the podcast and then they can just access it straight away and can book in that way, because it sounds. really exciting that you've done this and you've got you mentioned earlier that you've got experience of doing walks and things that you created them in London, so is that maybe did that germ of an idea come from.
1: Yes exactly this 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 is exactly this is the direct continuation of my work in london and i think in i i presented uh, that work in london and in um august in denmark so okay. i realized that when you compose something so site specific it's very hard to move it to another location you have to recompose the whole thing i mean it takes weeks to remake the whole music and and the story and i just felt like I felt I, I put so much work into it and then um obviously I think maybe just for myself because I move so much, you know, like I'm not living in London anymore, so it's it's not going to be done there unless I come back and set it up again. And I thought I thought it just becomes like it becomes one off experience for people. And I thought it would be nice if the walk became slightly more portable. So this idea of having a walk which you can start from your own home. Yeah and do it anyway. It can still be adapted for various areas, but to to become slightly more um, experienced of experiencing your own surroundings without needing to go somewhere unfamiliar. Because when you go somewhere unfamiliar, it's always very exciting. You always notice all the details and things. But in your own area, I mean, I know how how I go out. I go out in my own head, don't look anywhere, I mean. (laughs) Unless there is something unexpected happening on the streets, I don't even look around because I've been walking around here so many times. I mean, I know every single corner. And yeah, I think, I think maybe it's very interesting to go out and look at the details and small aspects of your yes. surrounding areas, um, which you don't, which you miss normally.
0: And I think that's more relevant than ever because of the pandemic and people being very tied to one place all the time, which meant that any time we did spend outside was spent within a very tight geographical area. And so you're right that the more you repeat that behavior, the less you actually pay attention to what's around, because you almost kind of go on to autopilot and you you just walk a route that you're used to seeing. And this is such a nice way of know people experiencing new music without having to leave their home which has become a big focus of you know music created at this time you know during and after the pandemic but also kind of tying them more to the place that they're in by getting them to focus on details like the nature around them and you know what kind of a place is it that you live in and i think that's a, a really exciting idea and uh, I'm excited to experience it myself, <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Um, is there anything else that you want to tell us about modern chants? Um, I know you are busy this afternoon, so I've got to let you go. But
1: <laughs> Yeah, just... yeah, well, yeah, maybe exciting thing that um, next week I'm going to Outer Hebrides to meet Anne Lenterre people in person Great. to the residency. So the residents have been supporting uh, m- my research really for the past year. So I am really excited about that and um about uh, yeah about modern chance project I think I just um I think uh, our team probably we might we might uh, uh we definitely will um try to do more events in the future and maybe we'll see where this collaboration goes I think sometimes when you are in the middle of the thing it's very hard to uh do some kind of lo- longer term <laughs> planning but um for me, for me, it's been just just absolutely wonderful. It was really um, a present for me uh, to to work here in Scotland with all the people, with all the locations and history and and language and music and I don't know. It's just been such an enriching experience, which is probably this experience going to affect me for the rest of my life because this type of work really does leave in leave um, mark in my composing so yeah, yeah. so we, we will see <laughs> might, yeah. might be writing half scottish music from now on
0: <laughs> i'd love to hear that if you are that would be great
1: <laughs> yeah
0: yeah so thank you so much rita for talking to us today and telling us all about your musical life and also modern chants and can't wait to hear more about modern chants and how it develops and we'll put links to everything that's happening with modern chants as well as the individual people that are involved in it so you can find out more about their work in the podcast show notes and uh, yeah we look forward to hearing more about it and maybe we could do another one of these when you've got your next project on the go and it's all about Scottish music. (laughs)
1: yeah that would, be, that would be great yeah let's see what happens in the future yeah. that would be a pleasure that would be a pleasure once once this this project is finished i think uh there will be so many new ideas in the air yeah. and, uh, yeah, thank you thank you so much for inviting me to be here and um You're very it's, it's, it's been it's all as always really nice to talk to you laura <laughs> you too, we have you sometimes too. good chats and and uh yeah i I hope, I hope this will be interesting also for the listeners and, um, and just just thank you, I think I want to say thank you to uh, everyone, all the Scottish music community for being so warm and welcoming for the, um, over the past three years, which not only as a newcomer, but also uh, during this whole pandemic, it was really challenging for all of us and thank you for making me feel like at home.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Amplified with composer Ruta Vidkowskaite. You can find out more about Ruta and her work in the links in the show notes. And if you would like to find out more about the Sound Walk, you can visit sound-scotland.co.uk.